I guess I'll turn that fan off too, huh? Huh? All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, let's go ahead and begin our service this morning. Let's stand together and we'll take our hymnals and turn to page number 121. 121, and we'll sing, Follow On, I Will Follow Jesus. Page number 121, and we'll sing all three verses. Follow On, one, two, one. Down in the valley with my Savior I would go Where the flowers are blooming and the sweet waters flow Everywhere he leads me I would follow, follow on Walking in his footsteps till the crown be won Follow, follow, I would follow Jesus Anywhere, everywhere I would follow on Follow, follow, I would follow Jesus. Everywhere he leads me, I would follow on. Down in the valley with my Savior I would go. Where the storms are sweeping and the dark waters flow. With his hand to lead me, I will never, never fear. Danger cannot frighten me if my Lord is near. Follow, follow, I would follow Jesus anywhere, everywhere, I would follow on. Follow, follow, I would follow Jesus everywhere he leads me, I would follow on. Down in the valley or upon the mountain steep, close beside my Savior would my soul ever keep. He will lead me safely in the path that he has trod Up to where they gather on the hills of God Follow, follow, I would follow Jesus Anywhere, everywhere, I would follow on Follow, follow, I would follow Jesus Anywhere he leads me, I would follow on. Good singing. Let's remain standing and turn to 369. A little bit farther back in your books, and we'll sing Living for Jesus. Page number 369. And we'll sing this song, Living for Jesus. We turn to, I'm having trouble finding the pages myself this morning. <laughs> All right, 369. We'll sing three verses again, the first, second, and the last of 369. All right, on that first. Living for Jesus, a life that is true. Striving to please Him in all that I do. Yielding allegiance, glad-hearted and free. This is the pathway of blessing for me. O oh, Jesus, Lord and Savior, 
I give myself to thee, for thou in thy atonement didst give thyself for me. I own no other master, my heart shall be thy throne. My life I give henceforth to live, O Christ, for thee alone. Living for Jesus, who died in my place, bearing on Calvary my sin and disgrace. Such love constrains me to answer his call. Follow his leading and give him my all. O Jesus, Lord and Savior, I give myself to thee. For thou in thy atonement didst give thyself for me. I own no other master, my heart shall be thy throne. My life I give henceforth to live, O Christ, for thee alone. On that last verse, living for Jesus through earth's little while, my dearest treasure, the light of his smile. Seeking the lost ones, he died to redeem. Bringing the weary to find rest in him. O Jesus, Lord and Savior, I give myself to thee. For thou in thy atonement didst give thyself for me. I own no other master, thy heart shall be thy throne. My life I give henceforth to live, O Christ, for thee alone. Thank you. You may be seated. Good singing this morning. All right, well, a few things to make mention of. A little bit of a change schedule today and some things we've got coming up here pretty soon. Um, just looking at your notes. Uh, today at 11 o'clock, so the service directly after this one, again, a little bit of a change. Instead of going in and continuing our lesson, we're going to be having a baptism down at the same spot where we were last time, behind uh, the fort, down at that little swimming hole right there. So feel free to join us immediately after the service. I had it in our notes here that we were going to go ahead and have our meeting for the ARC retreat that's coming up. Um, let's put that off till next week. I mean, I've got some more details I want to give you and kind of have an official meeting. But with this already going on, I want to give ample time for that. That way they don't kind of uh, conflict. I'll have some stuff I can put in your hands. Um, so today, definitely going down to the Boulder River for the baptism right after this service. Uh, also, in your notes, be advised we're going to be having our kids' church starting the very first Tuesday that we're going to have that is September 27th. Uh, that's going to be at 4.30. So after kind of school is over, the kids can come here. We're going to be having our kids' church. Uh, we're going to be doing a, a program called Patch, Patch Club, Patch the Pirate, if any of you are familiar with that. It's kind of what I grew up with. It's a really good system. 
but what, I'm, what I kind of want to offer you to is this. Uh, if you are willing or wanting to help out with Kids Church, um, we're, we're thinking maybe it'll be something we kind of end up feeling, feeling out as we go through. Somewhere between an hour and an hour and a half that we'll be here. We'll be singing songs with kids, playing games, doing snack time, all that kind of stuff. If you are interested in being a helper, come let me or my wife know. We'll find a place for you to get plugged in. I know a lot of you are already ready to go with, you know, with, with being teachers and that kind of stuff. Um, and it could even end up being a thing where, let's say you're not a parent, and you just say, hey, I like, I like helping with kids, and you want to sign up for the first Tuesday of every month. So that means, you know, we could end up having like a rotating system or something. We just need to see how many people we have interested in being here to help. Or, you know what, maybe you're just someone that says, hey, I like singing kids songs and listening to Bible stories. That's cool too. You come on and we'll still have a good time. But Patch Club is going to be starting September 27th. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be here. I've got some more information again if you want to be a teacher or something. Uh, also, we have Operation Christmas Child coming up. We're going to end up having our donation boxes put out here very soon. Uh, so if you're going to be doing some back-to-school shopping, that kind of stuff, um, that's a good time to be thinking about those things as well. Uh, other than that, another big thing I just want to go ahead and start putting in front of you, uh, we're going to be having, and this is something I looked up this morning, I was kind of surprised by. We're getting ready to have our five-year anniversary here at Bible Baptist Church. And I think that's, that's amazing. So about... Uh, first of October, we're going to be having an anniversary Sunday. We're going to have, you know, a potlucks, or a special guest speaker, all that kind of stuff. It's going to be a great day. I learned this this morning. I don't know, you know, where the numbers come from, but I've, I've heard similar numbers for as long as I've been in the ministry, that 68% of new churches or church plants in general uh, end up failing, dying, closing their door, whatever you want to call it, within the first four years. And, you know, that's... That's kind of a, a, a sad statistic, and I guess I say that to say to, to God be the glory that we're getting ready to have our fifth anniversary. It kind of puts us over that hump and to see how that we've been growing, and, and now we're to the point where the Lord's allowed us to even to own the building that we're in. It's just amazing to see what God's doing here, and I just want to say that to, to God be the glory. So I am really excited about our five-year anniversary. So that's going to be coming up in October, a little bit farther out. Um, other than that, that's really all we have by way of announcements. Let's just go ahead and look at some of our prayer requests. Uh, let's continue to be praying for some of our missionaries, for the Stanley families. They're going to be going back to Spain here very soon. Uh, the Beck family, I spoke with Brother Beck. Uh, they're still continuing to have their services in the, um, in the hotel where they've been in. Been seeing some new faces there, too, so praise the Lord for that. Um, these folks we know that have been battling cancer for my own grandmother, uh, for Tori's mom as she's recovering from her surgery. I remember to continue to pray for Ashley as she's been given, given birth. Things we seem to be going well. The new baby's growing. Everything's good there. So we can praise the Lord for that. Um, and I will go ahead and do this too. Uh, is, are there any new prayer requests, something that anyone would like, you know, outspoken, mentioned to be added to the prayer list? Anything like that today? Yes, ma'am. Oh, okay. Then you said they're driving back from California. Okay. I'm praying for them and for their safety coming home. That's uh, Aaron Gibson. He's going to be coming back from, he's driving back from California today. So that's about like a 12-hour drive-ish. 20. California is always so much bigger than I think it is. So that's, that's a long drive. Okay, so let's be praying for them. And I saw another hand over here, I thought. Yes, ma'am.
And you said the, the unspoken was, was your family. Yeah. Was that, oh, it's another family. The Lord knows. Yeah, we'll just remember to lift them up in prayer then. So. Okay, anything else then this morning? Yeah, Amy? To stay healthy. Okay. All right, anything else before we go to the Lord in prayer this morning? All right, well, let's all bow together and ask the Lord's blessings then, shall we? Our God, we want to thank you for allowing us to be able to come to your house again today. Lord, I want to thank you for how good you've been to us. Lord, that you've given us a church family and a church home where we can gather together and we can worship you. Uh, Lord, it's, it's amazing to see the work that you've done in people's lives. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to do so. That as we put you first and we put the teaching of God's word first in every area of our lives, I ask that in doing so, you would guide us and you would keep us from sin and you would help us to live the lives that you would have us to. Lord, I want to lift up these many needs here to you as well. I think of our missionary families, the Stanleys who are getting ready to go back to Spain. I pray you continue to bless them and their mission there, as well as the Beck family and the new church that's starting there in Butte. Lord, I pray that that church would continue to grow and you would keep them strong. Lord, I want to lift up those to you that have been sick. I know there's many that have been battling cancer and other sicknesses that have been going on lately and surgeries, recovering from those. Um, Lord, I'm glad to see that things are going well in that way, but I ask you to continue to heal those folks. But I also want to lift up to you those that are traveling. Uh, Lord, I think about those that are coming back from California today. Aaron, if he's going to be driving back, that's a long drive. Keep him safe there. Uh, Lord, as, as well as for Bryce and Brittany going out to Nevada there soon. I pray you lift up them. And Lord, as well as this other family, we don't know exactly what the needs are. But Lord, as this unspoken request is being lifted up, Lord, you know every detail about it. But again, I just ask that your will and your way would be done. And I pray that that's what would be the desire of every one of our hearts and lives that your will would be done in our lives. Not our will, but Lord, thine be done. So I pray that you'd bless us now today as we get ready to open the Bible. Speak to our hearts, and Lord, above all, may we honor you. And it's in Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, let's all stand together one more time, and we'll turn to page number 497 if you need it. This is a chorus I think we all know pretty well. 497, and we'll sing, As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee, O God. It comes right out of the Word of God. I love singing songs from the Scripture. 497. And we'll sing as the deer. And we'll sing it through two times together. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after you. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship you. You alone are my strength, my shield. To you alone may my spirit yield. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship you. Let's sing it once more. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after you. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship you. You alone are my strength, my shield. 
To you alone may my spirit yield. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship you. Thank you. You may be seated. It's very interesting, and it's, and I guess I should say, an appropriate song that we would sing this. Oh, yes, and we'll go ahead and open our Bibles to Matthew as our children are dismissing. So we've got our older children that will be up front, and of course our younger nursery in the back. And our scripture today, Matthew chapter 5. But I think that to be a very appropriate song, because the psalmist, when he wrote that, uh, the, the phrase or the word used in the, the, the King James Bibles, he uses as the heart, that word H-A-R-T in the Old English that actually means a small deer. He's panting after the water. He's thirsty, and that's how the psalmist longs after the Lord. I think it's a very interesting thing that he would say that, Lord, this is where my heart is. I, I want you. I need you. I need more of you. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And the question I'm going to ask you this is this, and pretty much right out of the song that we've been singing right there, and what I'm going to show you out of Scripture is this. What do you want out of this life? What is it you want? And I think that's an important question to ask. Um, some people would even say, well, you know, I don't, I don't really have an aim. I just kind of get up, I do my thing, and I go to bed. You know, I think we need to have an aim. We need to have a, a direction. You need to have a hunger, a longing for something. And, you know, when you have that, it gives you something to work towards. There's a, uh, there's a guy, and, and I don't, of course, certainly don't endorse, endorse everything he says. He's just one of the, the top famous motivational speakers right now. You guys ever heard of a guy named Tony Robbins? Maybe some of you, okay. He's the kind of guy that, he, he could sell water to a fish, okay? That's the kind of guy he is. He walks into the room, and he just has that look of, oh, I need to listen to what that guy says. He, he just has the, the charisma and the He's the guy that would be voted to be king like King Saul was. Everybody just sees he's the guy. Now, I was listening to a little a anecdote that he gave, and it was, it was on YouTube or something. And, of course, his motivational speech was about getting what you want out of life. And he told a story about he was, I guess, walking through his subway or something. I can't even remember where it was. And there was a guy that was there asking for some money. And the guy's like, hey, man, I, need a, I, just, I just need a dollar. I need, can, can you just give me a dollar, just one dollar? And he said he looked at the guy and says, you want one dollar? It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, man, if I just had a dollar, I could, I could do this. I could just go get me a, a dollar cheeseburger or something. He's like, that's what you're asking for, just one dollar. Oh, yeah, yeah, I just want a dollar. So this motivational speaker guy, he's like, he said, okay. So he said he reached in his pocket and he pulled out like a wad of money with like $100 bills and stuff in it. And then he pulled a single $1 bill out of it. Is this what you're asking for? So he gave him $1 and stuck it back, the rest of the money back in his pocket. And he said, of course, the guy was like, oh, there was so much more there. Of course, the motivational speaker is all about life will give you what you ask out of it. Now, I think there's something to that in the sense of what you ask for, what you long for, and what you are aiming or at what you are aiming will give you something for the future. I want to show you something here out of the scriptures. And it talks about how we are supposed to be hungry and thirsty. Matthew chapter number 5, as we've been going through, I told you this is our lesson on kingdom living. Living 
as God would have us to, bringing an essence of God's kingdom to America, where we are today and how we can live that out. God gives several things here. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 6, he gives us this verse. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are they that are hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now, as a general statement, when do you go get a glass of water? When you're thirsty, right? Well, when do you go to the snack? Look, to the snack. When do you go to the pantry looking for a snack? Well, if it's, it's me, it's midnight when you wake up and you're hungry, right? You, you get out of bed and you're, you're hungry. You've just got the munchies. You're hungry for something. Then you go looking for something to eat. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bible isn't just saying, go look for something. Go, go be righteous. He says the first step is, you've got to be hungry for it. You've got to be thirsty for it. When you see that you have a need for it, and that's what you want, then you're going to go find it. Then you're going to have it. So he says, doesn't say blessed are those that are righteous. He says blessed are they that are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. So there's a few things I want to talk about today as it comes into this verse and we learn how we go after righteousness. One of the first things I want to kind of get out of the way is this. We need to talk about what righteousness is. And this is kind of a long introduction today. We need to talk a little bit about what righteousness is. Um, can, I tell, can, I, can I get this out of the way first? It is not wrong to be righteous. And I know it sounds silly. Why should you even have to say that? It is almost used as a derogatory term today. Oh, well, look at that guy. He's just Mr. Righteous so-and-so. They'll use that as a derogatory thing to say, oh, you're just trying to be Mr. Righteous. Here's one of those things, again, that the world has done and modern society has done. They change words to mean something that was never meant to be. I remember <laughs> when I was in high school, I, I was not the sharpest guy with math. Okay? I hated math. I loathed it. It took me forever to do my math homework. It's like the one preacher said, it scares me to death when God tells me to preach out of the book of Numbers. Okay? <laughs> yeah, I was just never good at math. And I remember I would turn in my homework, and the teacher would use that red pen. He'd hand it back, and it looked like he just bled all over my, paper, my homework just because of all the red marks. All right? But there's something from that. Two and two makes four. Two and two don't make five. Two and two makes four. Now, when he tells me two and two makes four and you got the numbers wrong, does that mean he hates me? Well, no. He's just telling me I'm wrong. That's, that's predicated on fact. This is something that bugs me. Today you will be told, if you preach or you teach or you hold the opinion, thus saith the Lord, this is what's right, this is what's wrong, you will be told, oh, you're preaching hate. No, you're not. You're just saying what the Bible says. That's not hate. It's not hate to say something is incorrect. It's not hate to say this is what the Bible says. See, you see how I'm saying the, the terms have been flipped? There is no malice towards that. Malice is what's equated with hate. There is no malice in saying, hey, my Bible says this, and the Bible says that's, that's wrong. That's no different than saying two plus two doesn't equal five. That's wrong. Two and two makes four. It's not hate. Here's another one. 
there's another term that gets thrown around today when people say, thus saith the Lord. People say, oh, you're phobic. You are Islamophobic. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not afraid of that. It's just wrong. Because the Bible says this. That doesn't make me afraid. In fact, the Bible says I'm supposed to love that person. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to love that person. I am going to lovingly tell you that you're wrong. That's not fear. That's not phobia. That is you standing on the truth of what is right. And then people are going to look at that and say, oh, you're just wrapped up in your righteousness, aren't you? Okay, why is that wrong? Why is it incorrect to stand on the right teachings of God's word? It's not. In fact, that's what we're supposed to do. The thing is, those that want to go against God's word, the only thing they know how to do is just to attack the person. That they can't, they can't show you that your teaching is wrong, so what do they do? They attack the teacher. And that's, that's actually a pretty common practice. So don't ever feel bad about someone calling you a holy roller. Oh man, you're a Bible thumper. Oh, you're just wrapped up in your righteousness. Okay, well, if that's how you see it. Now, by the way, as Paul said, we're also not supposed to be proud and boastful, saying, oh, look at me. Well, then you turn into a Pharisee. Okay, don't do that either. That's, that's the other extreme. But we are supposed to stand on the truths and righteousnesses that are in God's word. That's who we're supposed to be. So don't ever take those things as an offense. So there's a great misconception of what it means to be righteous. Folks, righteous just means I'm going to be morally right in the eyes of God. And that's, that's who we need to be. So we're going to talk about this thing of righteousness. Also, one more thing I want to throw, throw at you. Let's go over to Ephesians chapter number 6. Ephesians chapter number 6. Now, if you are familiar with this uh, reference, you will recall that this is the armor of God. Man, put on the whole armor of God, and we're supposed to be dressed up like a soldier, ready to go to battle. Listen, we're in, we're in a spiritual warfare. Interesting thing about righteousness. Righteousness is not a fruit of the Spirit. Okay? Righteousness is not a fruit of the Spirit. This is what I'm saying. It does not just show up because you're a Christian. Okay, you, you get saved. Righteousness doesn't just start coming out of you now. Now all of a sudden everything you are, everything you do, everything you believe is now on the righteous side of things. That's what a fruit of the Spirit is. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. The Bible says those just come from being saved. Look what Ephesians 6 says. Ephesians chapter 6 uh, let's start in verse number 12. Man, it's a good passage. We'll start in verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all taking the shield of faith, wherewith you may be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. So verse number 12, it says you need to have on the breastplate of righteousness. Ladies and gentlemen, breastplates are something our, our men in battle still wear today. That protects your heart and your lungs. That is an important piece of equipment. Here's the thing about this, though. The breastplate of righteousness according to the scripture, 
that's something that you can put on and that's something you can take off. See, it's not listed as a fruit of the Spirit that just grows. That's something you have to choose to put on. Just like truth. You have to choose to believe truth. You take the sword and you take the shield of faith and you put on the helmet, all these things. These are things that don't just come on their own. So what I'm getting at today is, and we're going to go back to the book of Matthew. Now, that's, that's really the only time we're going to turn away from this. What I want to teach us today about righteousness, and we're going to go through this, I want us to see that this is something you have to choose to do. You have to choose to align yourself with the teachings of God's Word. They don't just, they don't just happen. Now, to an extent, I mean, they show up, and a lot of times your mind will change, but that breastplate of righteousness, every morning when you get up and you get ready to go to war, all right, I'm going to go get my armor. i got to put this on. I've, I've got to protect myself today. I have to live correctly today. So, Matthew chapter number 5, verse number 6. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. So, number one, we're asking this question, this, and I'm going to have three main points. I'll just give them to you if you're taking notes. Number one is this. What is righteousness? What is righteousness? I guess probably the better question to ask is this. What is biblical righteousness? Okay? Because I think everyone, no matter who you talk to, if you talk to them about this and you were to ask, is it a good thing to be right? Or to be, uh, I guess, correct? Well, I don't want to say, well, yeah, yeah, you're supposed to be right. So, so you would believe you're supposed to be a, a righteous person in the sense of being right. Well, yeah. Okay, the question is then, what is righteous? There's this, this new term. And I feel like I'm getting more and more political with this stuff, but it's, it shows up and we deal with it. So there's this new term. How many of you ever heard the term social justice, right? You guys have probably heard that. That's one of the buzzwords now. If you are someone that you believe in, oh, I believe in social justice. I believe in standing up for the injustices and people that are all the time talking about hate. There's that word again. They would say you are righteous and being a social justice person. I believe in social justice. Oh, man, he's, he's, a, he's a righteous guy. He's doing the right thing. Well, not according to God's word, I'm not. See, the idea of being righteous and biblical righteousness is this. I want to line myself up with what the Bible says is right. So here's the question. Here's the question. What is your standard of righteousness? That, that's what we all have to come to terms with. What is your standard of righteousness? Is your standard what the government says? Is your standard what our culture says? Hey, this is just what, this is just what we do now. Is that your standard? Is your standard popular opinion? Is your standard, hey, what the doctors are saying, as in psychologists and, and modern, modern methods of thinking, is that your standard? Or is your standard of what's right what's found in God's word? Because I'm going to tell you, there are times where you would even think that, that people that are highly educated that say this and this, my Bible lines up totally different than what they've said. So now my question is going to be, who am I going to line myself up with? I've, I want to find righteousness. I want to be right. I want to be moral before God. So where's my standard? If your standard's over here, the world's going to say, man, you're doing great. And then God's going to say, eh, you're wrong. If your standard's over here with the Lord, the rest of the world's probably going to mock you for it. The world's going to mock you, but God's going to say, 
yeah, that's good. And folks, I would rather be on God's standard because ultimately that's who I answer to. One day I'm going to be on my knees before God and I'm going to have to give an account for where I stood. And I want to know that my standard was God's word. So, yeah, the rest of the world is going to mock me and they're probably going to hate me for it, but that's okay. So these things are going to disagree. And I guess this is the big thing today. Don't ever be afraid to disagree with someone. Now, that, that's a weird thing. That's, that's changed. It used to be that if you disagreed with someone, you could still have a civil argument. Okay, this guy thinks this, this guy thinks this, and they disagree, and they just they can't come to terms. Okay, we'll agree to disagree. But something now in 2022, it's like, man, if you disagree with this guy, well, you're just a jerk because, you know, you're saying he's wrong. No, I just, I just think he's wrong. I mean, that, that's, when, when did that become a bad thing? You know, now it's got to the point where we can't even have a civil discussion. It's either you agree or you're just an awful person. It's, it's funny how that's, that's changed. So what I want us to understand is this, and this is what I'm saying. Ladies and gentlemen, don't ever, ever be afraid to stand on what you believe. If the Bible says something, and this is what you see, it is okay for you to look at something and say, nope, that's, that's against God's word and that's not right. It doesn't make you mean. In fact, <laughs> one of my favorite stories, and I've probably told him before because, well, it's in the Bible. I've preached it before. There's a guy in the Old Testament. His name is Micaiah, probably one of my favorite prophets. You, ever, you remember the story of Micaiah? Micaiah was a guy. He was a prophet, and so far as we know, he was one of the only true prophets of God within two countries at that time. You have these two kings. They're coming together. One of them was King Ahab. He's a wicked guy. They come together, and they're getting ready to go to war. And these two kings are trying to figure out how they're going to do it. And one king looks at the other one and says, Hey, let's, uh, why, don't we, why don't we get some spiritual advice on this and find out if it's a good idea if we should go to war or not. And King Ahab's like, um, okay, fine. So he goes and he calls 200 prophets. They were false prophets, by the way. The 200 prophets all come in and they say, Oh, great kings, if you go to war, it's going to be great. It's going to land in your favor and everything's just going to be wonderful. And then the one king's kind of hesitant. He's like, uh, I don't know if I trust those guys. Is there a prophet of, like, Jehovah, of, like, God, God that we can call? And Ahab, the wicked guy, he goes, there's one. But you should know that I hate that guy. <laughs> and the other king says, good, yeah, let's call him. <laughs> so, king, so the prophet Micaiah, he comes, they, they call him, and, man, here he comes strutting in. By, now, picture the scene. You're in a palace in a throne room before two kings. Now, we're talking like dictatorship kings. All he would have to do is off with your head, and you're, you're done. What they say goes. You're standing before two kings and 200 other prophets that just said, yeah, you guys go ahead and go to war. I, I kind of admire this a little bit because I'm a smart aleck. I probably don't show that a lot, but I am. Micaiah walks in and looks at those kings, and the kings say, all right, Micaiah, listen, are we supposed to go to war? And Micaiah says, Oh, yeah, you guys go ahead and go to war. Everything will be fine. <laughs> then the king looks at him and says, Why do you torture us with this? Tell us what you really think. Because he was being a smart aleck. He said, All right, fine. You want to know what God says? If you guys go to war, every last one of you is going to die. And you, King Ahab, you're actually going to die in battle. And he stood there and said that in front of 200 other prophets that had just lied and said that boldly before two kings. I'm sitting there thinking, Man, what... what what boldness to stand on the word of God, 
to call 200 men liars to their faces in the, in the presence of two kings of two nations. They ended up throwing him in jail. Then they went to war, and they all died, and so did that king, just like he said it would. Anyway, point being, ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't matter what the rest of the world thinks. If we are standing on the truths of God's word, we need to see that we are being morally right and righteous in the eyes of God, no matter what it costs us with our society. Is that a good word? With our culture, with those around us? It doesn't matter who I do please if I displease God. But if I displease people, it's okay if I do please God. He's the one that comes first. So our question was for that one, what is righteousness? It all comes down to this. It comes to your standard. Is your standard your culture you live in, or is your standard the Word of God? Ladies and gentlemen, your standard for righteousness needs to be the Bible. The Bible's always been right. It's always been right. Okay, now my question is this, and we're going to come to number two. We asked, what is righteousness? Well, it depends on your standard. Number two, who do you want to be? Who do you want to be? This is where it comes down to the putting on part. Remember where we said, even as a Christian, you have to choose to put on that breastplate? Ladies and gentlemen, I believe there are people that are born again. They're children of God. But they get so wrapped up in in the culture around them. They get so wrapped up in being people pleasers that they, they don't put on that breastplate. Case in point. Case in point. One of Jesus' beloved disciples, Peter. We all, we all know the story of Peter. Man, Peter's a guy that jumped out of the boat and walked on water. How many of you have done that, right? Peter was a, was a man that believed God and wanted to be righteous before God. Then when push come to shove, Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross. Hey, you, I know you. You hang out with that Jesus guy, don't you? Oh, no, no, no not me. I'm, I don't even know the guy. Three times denied that he even knew who Jesus was. What did Peter do? He, he didn't put on his armor. He didn't step up to the plate. When the time came, he wasn't willing to go against the grain. Now, I, I say that to, to say I think that's something that we're all capable of doing. There comes a time that we are all capable of, of messing up and really... Failing to put on our armor, I guess. See how I'm saying that's a choice? So I ask you this, who do you want to be? Let's look at the scripture again. This is why I asked that. Verse number six says, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. So what are you hungry for in this life? Let's go through the steps of a Christian or becoming a Christian. We'll start with square one and we'll go all the way to the time you get in heaven. If a person is lost, this is how this plays out. If a person is lost, many times a lost person, when they realize they need to be saved, they are confronted with their sin. Then all of a sudden they get a hunger for, mm, this, this sin's leading me astray. I need something better. I, I, need to, I need to actually be right. I realize I need to be saved. You know what that person's doing? They're now hungering after God's righteousness. That's where that hunger begins to grow. It starts at that moment when they need to trust Christ. So what do they do? They get hungry. Lord, I need you to save me. Please save me. Forgive me of my sin. They're saved, and they are now blessed with God's righteousness. Okay? Step two. Now, as a Christian, you, you have had your first taste of righteousness. You now have access to God's righteousness. 
Now step two, we need to begin to walk in that righteousness, walking it out, man, every day. This is unfortunate, but this is just, this is how it works. How many of you, and don't raise your hand, don't raise your hand. How many of you have ever been wronged by a Christian? How many of you have ever seen someone that, that you know is a child of God, or at least they claim to be, and they've just done something dirty, wrong, and something underhanded? Well, yeah, they do. I mean, that's because Christians aren't perfect. We're just, God's just forgiven us. So because of that, people begin to look at Christians and they say, oh, man, that whole thing's just fake. They don't need to think, they don't need, you know, I don't need that anyway. Why should I, why should I want anything to do with that? That's because that Christian, yes, they've now had their access to righteousness. They get saved, but now they're refusing to walk it out, man. They're not, they're not doing anything further to grow in that. Then I would say number three, and we're going to kind of recap these. Number three, there is going to be a day when, when this body's gone. And by the way, I'm looking forward to that. When this body, real quick, funny thing. I had somebody trying to describe me the other day to a friend of mine. And they were like, you know, my, my buddy's like, okay, who was it you were talking to? And he's like, oh, I don't know. I can't remember what. I remember he was, you know, he had a beard and he had gray hair. I'm like, okay, great. They described me as the guy with gray hair. I'm like, man, I'm just in my 30s. It's not that gray. Come on. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> these bodies wear out, though, don't they? There's going to be a time when I can finally stand before the Lord. This body's gone. This, what the Bible even calls the body of sin. This body of sin is gone. And then I will be able to stand before the Lord not even wanting sin anymore. And I'm not even going to have an appetite for sin. That only appetite when I have when this body is gone will be an appetite to honor and to please Jesus Christ. That day I will be completely righteous. I will be, my righteousness, it will almost like be complete. So a lot of people, they, they, they would ask this. No, well, preacher, I thought when you got saved, you got God's righteousness. Yeah, you do positionally, but that doesn't mean that you're putting on your breastplate every day. That doesn't mean you're walking it out. That doesn't mean you're hungry or you're thirsty for it. Can I, can I go ahead and tell you one of my faults? And I'll, and I'll give it to you in the, in the form of an illustration, then I'll apply it. Um, <laughs> I have been guilty of not drinking water the way I'm supposed to because I like putting a little bit of ground up beans in my water quite a bit. You know, that's how I drink my water. And I, I love coffee. And I, just the idea sometimes of drinking just, just plain water for a long time, I, I didn't want water. And then here's something that would happen. If I would go for a long time without drinking water, I would get dehydrated. And somebody would give me a cold bottle of water, especially on a hot day. You take that first swallow, and it's just like, oh, I am really thirsty. And then it's like you find out just how thirsty you are. And next thing you know, you've gone through like two or three bottles of water. It just hits you all at once. You didn't even know how thirsty you were until you started drinking the water. A problem that I have in my human nature, this is, this is one of my faults. This is not a good thing. I have found that in my Christian walk with the Lord, there are times I have my ups. And there are times I allow myself to have my downs, which I shouldn't. There are times when my fellowship with the Lord is not as close as it ought to be. And here's what happens. It's almost like I become spiritually dehydrated, and I don't even know it. You know, I realize my walk with the Lord's not where it's supposed to be, and then 
I'll just be, I don't know, read through my Bible or I'll get some kind of scripture or I'll listen to some kind of song that talks about the Lord and then it will just hit me. Remember when every single day you used to feel this good because you're walking in your fellowship with the Lord? And I'll realize I am so spiritually dehydrated. What have I done? I have neglected to be hungry and thirsty. I, I've, I've not even realized how thirsty I was. Why? That's why the Bible says, blessed are they that continuously, they hunger and they thirst. They're always wanting more. They're always looking for more. Because those people that are always wanting more, you know what's going to happen? They're going to get more. And they're going to keep getting more. And they're going to keep growing. The problem is we forget to go get hungry. We forget to get thirsty. We don't make those decisions. So that's why I kind of asked you that question a little bit ago. Right now in this life, I mean, today, Sunday morning, right now in this church building, what are you hungry for? Is your life, are you hungry for, I don't know, making it to, to the next year so you can start a new year? Are you, are you hungry for making some kind of benchmark? Hey, if I can just hit this mark, you know, like, like every, every teenager, you know, boy, if I can just make it till I get out of high school, man, I will have arrived. Man, if I can just make it to where I can get married, I will have arrived. If I can just make it till I get my job, I will have arrived. If I can make it to this, to this, to this. Okay, well, that's what they're hungry for. Folks, the Bible says our hunger needs to be after righteousness. And boy, when I stand before the Lord or when I get something for God, I realize I have missed it. I have been more hungry for that stuff than I have my relationship with God. And can I tell you this too? Much like water, we can have as much of it as we want. It's kind of an interesting thought. Just like water, we can have as much of God as we want. There will never be a day where God says, sorry, you don't have access to me right now. You know, I, I've, I've never had a time in my life, now, again, I, I realize where we live. We, we're, we're in a very blessed and privileged country. There has never been a day where I have not had access to drinking water. And if I want to, I can go to the tap. I can go to a public building. I can get a water fountain. I mean, goodness, I can even go down to the river, whatever. There's just always water somewhere. If we ever get dehydrated, it's because we're not going to get it. That's what happens with me and the Lord. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is always there. If I want Christ to be close to me, you know what I got to do? I got to draw nigh to him. If I draw nigh to God, God will draw nigh to me, which all comes down to this statement. I heard a preacher say once, right now, you are as close to God as you want to be, which is a very convicting statement when you think about it because God's right there. I mean, what's, what's stopping you from going to get him? Just like water. If you, right now you're dehydrated, okay, what's stopping you from going to go get a glass of water? And so, folks, that's, and I realize that's a convicting statement, but it's something that we need to recognize. Righteousness is not something that just happens. We've got to go get that armor and put it on. I've got to go after the Lord. I've got to get hungry and thirsty for him, because when I'm thirsty for him, boy, I'm going to get filled up. And that is a blessed place to be. And I think that's what comes down to number three, and this is where we're done. This is how easy can you get it. So number one, what is righteousness? Well, it's based on your standard. Is your standard 
your culture, your society, your world, whatever, or is your standard the Bible? Of course the standard should be the Bible. Then we said number two, who do you want to be in this life? So what are you, what are you aiming at? What are you hungry for? Are you hungry for, you know, he who dies with the most toys wins? Are you hungry for righteousness? And then number three, how easy do you get it? Basically, I just want to say this. What you desire, that's what controls your aim. What you desire is what controls your aim. There's a lot of people, life coaches, whatever you want to call them, they say you need to have a five-year plan. You, know, you need to have a 10-year plan. You have a 20-year, whatever. You need to have a plan, something that you're focusing on. They say for parents, parents, you ought to have some kind of aim for your kids, and you need to have something uh, that you are instilling into your kids. By the way, the Bible says that. They're like arrows in the hands of a mighty man. You fashion those things, you straighten them out, you get them sharp, then you fling them out into the world to do something good for God. That, that's an aim. Man, you're, put, you're putting a, a direction on those things. So what's, what's your direction? Folks, I guess I just want to say this. The end of that verse is, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. We have to make ourselves hungry. If you're hungry, if you're thirsty, that last verse is what happens. They shall be filled. They shall be. That, that's, that's a definite statement. If you're thirsty for righteousness, you will be filled, period. The problem is, we're not hungry or thirsty. I think most of the time we want it, but we don't really want it. Um, final illustration and I'm done. I think pretty much everyone, because we learned in high school, pretty much everyone knows what it means to be healthy. We know how to eat right. We know how to exercise. We know how to take care of ourselves. You know, we know when you're eating the right stuff, okay, an apple is better than a candy bar. No kidding. You know, we, we know that. And we know, we, we all have some kind of a weird desire. Yeah, I want to be healthy. There's, I've never met anyone that says, yeah, I want to be sickly and unhealthy. Okay, no one says that. But how is it that, that I don't exercise as often as I ought to? How is it that sometimes I don't eat as well as I ought to? Why don't I go after those things and do those good things the way I'm supposed to? Because really, deep down, I don't want to. That's... That's what it comes down to. So ladies and gentlemen, all we have to do is want the right thing. And if we can change our want, if we can change our desire, if we can change what we're hungry for, I can promise you, you will be filled with the righteousness. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. And I want us to think about these things for a few moments. Are you actively making yourself hungry and thirsty for the things of God? Well, preacher, I'm just not as hungry as I ought to be. Well, maybe you just got to go take that first drink. Sometimes you realize, don't really know how thirsty you are until you get that first drink. Just like it is with exercising. Sometimes we don't realize how much we need it until we go do it one day. Folks, we have to make ourselves hungry and thirsty. Our Father God, we want to come to you today. And I ask that you would help us to be hungry and thirsty for the things of you. Lord, we know that your way is best. We know that your way is right. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to have our aim set on what is right before you. And I pray that we would be found righteous in your eyes. Not in the world's eyes, but in your eyes. Ladies and gentlemen, with every head bowed and every eye closed, as we always do, 
The music is going to softly play. And this is your time to be able to reflect on these questions. What are you hungry for? What are you hungry for? Are, are, you, are you hungry for getting closer to God? Are you so spiritually dehydrated that you don't even know that you're thirsty? It's an interesting thing. After you go two or three days without food, the hunger pains go away. Have we gone so long from getting close to the Lord, we don't even realize how hungry and thirsty we are? Why don't today, right now, you commit to the Lord that you'll be more hungry for His things. You'll put on that breastplate. You will choose righteousness. You do that, the Bible says He will fill you. Just another moment to pray. Father, we want to come to you again and thank you for being so good to us. Lord, it's such a comfort to know that you would never leave us, that you're always here for us. Lord, I pray that you would just help us to change our hearts and minds to want to know you more, to want to learn more about you, to grow in faith, to grow in knowledge, and to grow in righteousness. Lord, I pray that you would help guide us into these things. And Lord, if there's something about us that's taking our hunger more than you. Lord, I pray you'd show that to us. Lord, above all, may we honor and glorify you today. Thank you for each and every person that's here. Lord, may we go this week. I pray you would keep us from sin until we come together at the next time. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, well, folks, real quick, before we dismiss them, um, like I said, during this second service, what we're going to do... Um, we're really just going to be dismissed, and we're all going to head over, and we, of course you're all invited. We're going to head over to uh, the old Boulder Road, which would be past the fort, just maybe, what, 100 yards, you turn right. There's a little turnoff down there. That's where you go down to the Boulder River. We're going to have a baptism down there. So I invite you all to come down. Um, and the meeting that, we were, that we're going to end up having for the ARC, I'll, we'll end up postponing that till, till next week. I've got some details I want to give you. We'll talk about deposits and tickets and how we're going to do all that then. Um, so anyway, folks, as always, always here for you. We love you. Um, and we're dismissed. Okay, we'll see you down there in just a little bit.